Welcome to The Rocks Podcast. On Wednesday evenings, we are currently studying through some of the Psalms. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we continue through what has been called Israel's hymn book of praise and worship. So as you will recall, we on Wednesday night, of course, we're in the Old Testament because that's our midweek service focus. Uh, But in particular, if you're just joining us, we are in the Psalms and we're doing something called the Survey of Psalms. Since there are 150, we're not going to look at all 150, but we are kind of, as the chart will show, uh, taking a look at the different genres of uh, the different kinds of psalms that there are. And uh, there are about seven different kinds of psalms and, and hymns. And of course, the psalms are God's word. It's not just hymns of praise. They've been called Israel's hymn book, uh, but there are... There's instruction and doctrine and prophecy, and uh, these are the different kinds as we've been talking about. And so, you, you know, it's not just Israel's hymn book, right? It's the people of God, our hymn book. And um, uh, in a wider sense, we, all Christian hymns for the last 2,000 years, really have had as their foundation the Psalms. And even the contemporary choruses that you sing on uh, from Hillsong or somebody, uh, some Christian artists, we sing songs that just cut, fall completely in these categories. For example, uh, hymns of praise. Why don't we, sh- I'll show you the chorus here. Hymns of praise. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide and trebles at his voice. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? That's a hymn of praise right there. The next one would be a, a, a psalm of lament. Uh, you know, right now, it's no fun being me. God, where are you? Right? Look at this. God, my God, I cry out. Your beloved needs you now. God, be near. Calm my fear. Take my doubt. Your kindness what pulls me up. Your love is what draws me in. I'll lift my eyes to the maker of the mountains I can't climb. I'll lift my eyes to the calmer of the ocean's raging wildness. So, so many of the psalms were psalms of lament or complaint, and and we still sing them. You can flip back to the uh, chart. Okay, hymns of testimony. Uh, Let me tell you what God has done for me. So a song that we sing just like that on Sunday morning is uh, The Rescue. I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue, and I want to be where you are. The the name of the Hillsong chorus is called Came to My Rescue. So we're patterning the same. So back to the chart. The next one, hymns of provocation, imprecatory psalms. Let God give the bad guys what they deserve. Well, we we sing that on Sunday morning too, don't we? You crush the enemy underneath my feet, right? That's an imprecatory psalm. 
All right? In, in Christian understanding of imprecatory psalms is spiritualizing our great enemy, the devil and his demons and the evil forces in this world, rather than calling down curses on individuals, which is a New Testament no-no. All right, so back to the chart. Hymns of wisdom, where you're just singing like Proverbs, and, and, and uh, well, I'll show you here. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose, right, to say, blessed be. See, those, that's the psalm of wisdom. And we're still singing them. And back to the chart. All right. Hymns of the Messiah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's what we sing. And we sing all songs about Christ, the cross, Jesus, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners. Come on. You want to join me? The ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. I think there's one more. Okay, and the hymns of special holy days or holidays, those were in of the 152. And we have songs we sing for Easter, songs we sing for Christmas as well, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come, and a thousand other hymns, and they are hymns, and we sing them as well. And so every Sunday and every Wednesday, you know, sometimes you get complaints here and there, not from this church, but in other churches. <laughs> They'll leave little notes in the offering or stuff like that. Little like, we should be singing more like this. You know what? Uh, the Holy Spirit has this way in the churches singing the same kinds of songs. In fact, those songs have quotes from the Psalms in them. And so we're, we're pretty blessed. Tonight we're going to, you, you, oh, you're already there. You guys are smart back there. So we finished the lament psalms, the woe is me psalms, the get the bad guy psalms, and the holiday classics done. And now we've got the hymns of praise, just flat out praise, like Psalm 8, the wow. God, you made everything, and yet you still think about little old me. Wow, that's awesome, and I praise you. That's kind of the gist of straight up praising God hymns. We're going to take a look at a classic uh, one of those now. As always, we'll read straight through it and then we'll walk through it to glean some insights. Praise the Lord. Oh, you want to know which number this is? <laughs> 147. Someone has said bingo. <laughs> no. Okay. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. Verse 10 continues on. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. 
extol or praise or, or exalt or lift up, glorify. That's what that word means. The Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion, another word for Jerusalem. For he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation, for they do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. So it's safe to say, really, that if you're going to talk about Psalms of praise, in fact, the entire book of Psalms is really called that particular by that particular word, praise. And so all 150, though some are more devoted to straight up praise, have a nuance or flavor of praise because that's why they're in the Psalms, right? But some are just exclusive, flat-out praise, like Psalm 150, like praise him on the drums, praise him on the cymbals, praise him for his great, awesome power, and such. This psalm is like the other psalms that are considered and classified by scholars as hymns of praise or songs of praise uh, that call us to praise God in in a command form. They're in... um, imperative mode in the Hebrew. It is a command. Praise you, the Lord. Praise ye, the Lord. And then always giving you causes and reasons and reminders, because we need them, of why he's worthy of our praise and why it's good and right and fitting to praise him. So we're going to take a look. It divides up quite nicely into three little sections in praise of um, how God helps us. Praising God because he helps us, verses 1 through 6. And if you're taking notes, the second one, praising God uh, because he provides for us in love. Our, our, our fitting response is, is to praise him. And then uh, that would be 7 through 11. And then finally, 12 through 20, the, in praise of how God shows us this special unmerited favor. To have the favor of God, while some don't have it, and some do, and if you have the favor of God, you've got to praise him. Amen? Now, if you're glad that God treats you better than you deserve, you can say amen. amen. I thought so. All right, so let's take out the first six verses here. Take a look at them. Um, We praise God for his intervention, his help on our behalf. Praise the Lord how good and right and fitting and pleasant it is to praise him. He strengthens uh, the exiles of Israel. He builds you up. He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. And look at how great he is. He's made all the stars and he calls them by name. Great is God in his might and his power. His understanding has no limit. He sustains the Humble, but watch out if you are proud and arrogant because you are going to get thrown down. Now, that's a word of wisdom tucked in a, <laughs> a wisdom line tucked in a praise uh, psalm. So, often running the imperative, the command, praise ye the Lord, as the King James has so many of these praise psalms. I'm like, what are you waiting for? 
You know, there's no, you don't even need a reason, but we'll give you some reasons, but praise the Lord. Sadly, we need the prompting, praise the Lord. It's good, it's right, it's fitting, it's pleasant, it's a good thing. Because when we get our eyes off of God and onto our sometimes petty problems or we get distracted in our lives, we have different agendas and we get all caught up in life and we, we, we neglect prayer and praise. And, and tonight I'm just going to ask you where, what praise, what the role of praise is in your heart and life, privately, when you're alone, when you're driving. And I'm not just saying singing. A lot of people just don't sing and singing's not their thing. But praising God, you can adore God. You can, you can say the things that you adore about God and love about him. There are different ways uh, to praise the Lord. Uh, but, you know, I, I like what Philip said. He said in his commentary on the Psalms, he said, uh, when we neglect the praising the Lord, our lives lose their luster and our souls lose their song. Um, someone who doesn't have a reason to praise God is someone who doesn't know his goodness. That just, I mean, if you haven't done that, the reason we praise is a response because God's touched our hearts. If you've got nothing to thank God for, it's because you're not aware of what God has done for you. So he says, how good to belt out praises to God to have overflowing praise. You know, I just think of my father-in-law. He went to be with the Lord now uh, several years ago. But Barb's dad and Barb's dad's mom, uh, Grandma V, always doing this when there was a lull in the conversation Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We'd be driving on a long drive, and, and we'd stop talking for a while, and I'd hear him go, praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. And, and sometimes a little awkward, but uh, you know what? Uh, well, to, to be honest with you, uh, because I wasn't in that state. I'm not there. And it's like it's drawing me into a place where I'm not there right now. I should be. That's the power of praise as well. But you know what? He was just so thankful for all his blessings. And so, you know, that's really what we're talking about. How good, how good it is. Why is it good to praise the Lord? It reminds you who's in charge, who's in control of your life, to whom we are indebted. It keeps you humble and thankful and content to be praising God throughout the day because it's reminding you, I'm in need of God, you know? It's therapeutic. How pleasant. Sheer joy to respond to the Heavenly Father's goodness, right? Praise is like a, a big hug. So when you're praising God, it's like an embrace. So he's saying, is that not pleasant? How pleasant it is to be close to God where you're just kind of adoring him and he's adoring you and he's receiving that and you're receiving his love. And that's what he's talking about there. It just lifts your spirits. How pleasant and joyful and fitting. How fitting it is to praise the Lord. Don't even get me started with this one. Fitting, you think? I mean, his... Divine attributes alone, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. You hear me say this all the time. He spoke, and the universe leaps into existence. 
This is a being worthy of praise. And it just doesn't stop there. It's fitting because he created us. He sustains us. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. That's exactly the idea here. Wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I wouldn't have anything. The Bible says, what have you? What do you have that you have not received? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. What do you have, O Christian, in your life? Name a blessing. Name anything that's good. It came from God, God's gracious hand. And because we don't acknowledge that in our hearts is one of the reasons why we don't praise enough, right? And so all of this, behold, what manner of love he's lavished upon us. It's just fitting. And so he goes on in verses 2 through 5 to give you reasons it's fitting. And he says, God, you build up Jerusalem. You gather its exiles. So this was written around um, 500, 400 B.C., when the Jews are coming back. They had lost everything. They've been totally wiped out. They lost the temple. They lost Jerusalem. Babylon came in because of their own rebellion. But here's what he's saying. He's writing this praise song saying, God, you are the God of second chances. Even though we totally wiped out, we blew everything, you haven't given up on us. You you build up Jerusalem. You gather the exiles. You give us second chances. We fall down. You pick us up, and I'll praise you for that. We praise you because you don't give up. I love that 10th Avenue North uh, Christian song. It's an old one now. You are more than the choices that you've made. You're more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. And for this reason, we praise. Because he just doesn't give up on us. So he restores us. He gives us second chances. And so he, he goes on to say, and praise you, ye the Lord because of that. He heals a brokenhearted and binds up and attends our wounds. Now, those who went into exile, man, the atrocities of war. The, the Babylonians were cruel, and they came in, and they just did terrible things. So people had lost loved ones. They lost their homes. They lost everything, and they have memories of tragedies. But he's saying, I will praise you because you alone, God, can get down deep into my soul where that brokenness can be mended and healed and comforted. Listen, God can get down deep where no human being can get. He can go to those places that, that just when, when the unthinkable happens he, he, he holds you up. He establishes you. And for that you praise him. Let me, did you see this interview on CNN? And it's been on every interview these three. They're famous now. You know why? A tragedy. The Facebook killer. He was going to kill somebody, you know. And he killed their father. And all three of them were talking to Anderson uh, Cooper. And uh, all three of them are born-again Christians. There are seven others. They have ten. There are ten kids. The father was a born-again Christian, raised them in the church. 
and taught them to forgive. And all three of them were saying, we don't hold any animosity or hostility. What a sick man where we, we feel sorry. We wish we could embrace him and tell him that we forgive him. And Anderson Cooper was like doing this, like, now, wait a second here. You know, we have a hole in our hearts. We, we are unbelievably saddened and we are in total grief. But our father taught us to say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And it would make our dad happy in heaven to know that we're giving this interview and we're saying we forgive that killer. We know where our father is. And uh, it wasn't uh, crazy and it wasn't um, eccentric. It was Christian. But the only reason they were able to do that is because there is the Holy Spirit who goes into your heart at that moment and that moment alone because all of us are going, I don't know that I could do that. You can in the moment. If you're willing to lean in and die on that cross with Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do his work, you will be able to say those kinds of things and mean it from your heart. And so this is the idea. Thank you for that picture. The idea that because you are the comforter of my broken heart, I will praise you. So he says, great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. So he, he's going to go on to say there in verse 4 and 5, the one who comforts your heart and wipes away those tears, just let's not forget who he is. He's created all the stars, and he has a name for each one of them. Let me help you with this. There are a hundred billion, with a B, stars in our galaxy. And there are an estimated 100 million galaxies in space. Now, one of you who's really good at math, just tell me. <laughs> God not only created them all, he got a name for all of them, and he calls them where he wants them to be. So he's just saying, listen. You lose everything. You've lost your way. You have a broken heart. The one who comforts you, the one who builds you up, the one who gives you the second chance, he's got it all figured out. He's got, he, he's got you and your, your conundrum. I just used that word the other day, and somebody said, ah, that's an interesting word. Conundrum. A conundrum is something that you can't figure out. It's like a riddle, but it's a dilemma in your life. And it's just like he's saying, well, you can praise God because there's no conundrum too difficult for him. He's got you. He understands. He's got this. He's a really smart God. So praise the Lord. It's the right thing to do. He's been good to you. And P.S. If you want all of these benefits, you better stay humble. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So a humble heart that says, I praise you, God. I can't keep myself alive. I praise you, God. I need you. All of this humility is where the benefits come. All right, so we go on to the second point. So we praise the Lord because he's been good to us and he comes to our rescue. And now we praise him 
for the way he provides in love for us. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to him. Look at what he does. He supplies us with everything we need. Rain for our crops and food. And uh, he takes care of even the birds. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse or his delight in, in the legs of men. I'll explain what that means. And the Lord delights rather in those who fear him. So let's talk about this uh, beautiful loving care of God, our Father. So sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. The, the praise songs in the Psalms are predicated and founded on your ability to be thankful. Without thankfulness or an, or an understanding of why you should be thankful, there is no praise. You'll just be bored during the worship time because you're, you don't understand how much you're indebted to this loving God and what he's done. Now, thankfulness, you know, it's just an essential ingredient. How do you come by thankfulness? How can we sing with thankfulness and, and nurture that kind of gratitude? Let me tell you that uh, famous incident that happened in Luke chapter 7. Jesus was a guest at a Pharisee's house named Simon, and they were having dinner. And they would eat in the courtyards that were kind of open, and people could come uh, easily get in there. And sure enough, while they were eating, a woman who had led a sinful life busted in, interrupted, and stood behind Jesus, and then uh, had an alabaster jar of lotion or ointment. It was fragrant like perfume. And uh, she put that on Jesus' feet. It was a custom in that day. It was a beautiful gesture. It was praise. All right? And she was so overcome with how Jesus had set her life free that she was weeping, and she cried, and the tears went on Jesus' feet, and she's out of her mind with praise and love for the Lord. And she's wiping his feet, the Son of God's feet, which is a beautiful thing, with her hair. And Simon the Pharisee kind of gets uncomfortable, and he starts thinking, and I love this, to himself. <laughs> Jesus is sitting there and picking it up quite easily. And Simon's thinking, if this guy were a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman she really is. And so Jesus straightens up and says, hey, Simon, I've got something to tell you. And he says, I love the wording of this. He says, tell me, teacher. <laughs> Jesus like, okay. Uh, there were two men who borrowed money from a money lender. One in the amount of $500, let's call it, and one in the amount of $50. Neither of them could repay. Both of them were bankrupt. That's important. And, uh, but he forgave both of them their debt. Now, who do you think would love the guy more? And then he gets it, and he says, I suppose. Whenever you say, I suppose, that means I'm not happy about this. <laughs> All right? So he says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says, good answer. Then he says, I came into your house. There was no water for my feet. But guess what? She's done a really good job washing my feet. That's what they used to do. They'd give you water for your feet. But he didn't think about it. You know? And he said, and by the way, there was no welcome kiss on the cheek like we usually do. 
You know, but since she's come in, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. And then uh, he goes on to say, you didn't give me any anointing oil for, for the head. Sometimes they would do that just as a, just a, just a, a cultural kindness. And he said, I didn't get that from you, but I got that from her. And not on my head, but on my feet. So he says, the moral of the story is, he who has been forgiven much loves much. And he who's been forgiven little loves little. The funny thing about this, if the Pharisee had only realized how much he needed to be forgiven, it was more than the sinful woman. The, his debts were sins against the light and truth. He was a Bible expert on his way to hell and a total hypocrite, totally corrupt. But he knew the Bible. She didn't. Right? So in his mind, he doesn't owe Jesus anything because he's basically a good guy. She's the sinner, right? And so not understanding your, your depth of your own depravity, the extent of your weakness, how vulnerable, how helpless, how powerless, you will not be thankful unless you own up to how messed up you really are without the grace of God. It's a hard truth, but if you want to be thankful, you start to think about things like that. For me, I'm pretty easy. I mean, if I'm going to roof over my head, um, I've got a warm bed. I mean, just the other day, you know, we put in a garden, we made spaghetti and meatballs. I'm good. I'm good for the rest of my life. I'm just, I'm just happy that I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, and 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 the Lord loves me, and the Lord is 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 just, He's enough. You know, His grace is enough. So from thankfulness. So He's saying, sing and speak and act uh, with thankfulness. And now verses eight through eleven provide some interesting. Reasons, he says, because he takes care of you. Now they're in an agrarian society. So he's saying, he, he covers the skies. Now this is poetic way of saying he supplies the earth with rain and he makes grass grow on the hills so that the, the cattle can eat the grass and you will have livestock, you will have something to sell, you'll have something to wear, you'll have something to eat. You'll have water to drink. So to be mindful of, God is mindful of what we need and he cares about us. And we just don't stop to think of even the blessing of weather where you're usually just complaining about it, right? But let it stop raining in any region for a, you know, a month or two when you really need the water. Then you realize, wow, God, thank you for the rain. And he keeps us going, you know, the idea here is that God knows what we need and he's faithfully giving us what we need and that should engender hearts of thankfulness and praise because he's always giving us not only what we physically need but what we spiritually need and emotionally need. He is the source of all of that. I started thinking about this. This is pretty cool. I just thought, wow, God, you made the planet to... And, and you encoded everything we need in creation. And, and I just started thinking, you know, everything we need for clothing. I mean, have you ever seen cotton plants? It's, the, it's, uh, it's unbelievable to me. God is like, you're going to need some fabric, all right? So I'm going to let it grow out of the ground. You know, if you're looking at that, gee whiz, what should we do with that? 
we should, we should probably make some clothes, you know? And then he makes sheep to grow wool until, you know, they're going to fall over and die if you don't do something. So you have to think, I better shave that, shore that uh, sheep down, you know? And what do you think you should do with all of that? Well, he's make, he tells bugs to spin silk so that we can make beautiful clothes. But everything we need is knit in to the world around us. I mean, look at the fruit trees and vegetables. It's like, duh. Come on. Anybody hungry? And, and so he puts it. They're just hanging on the tree. And, and they look good. And they taste good. And it goes with the teeth that he gave us. It, it just is like amazing. You start digesting. Even now, we're talking about it. You're digesting in your mouth already. Because you're thinking about food like that. Do you want to build a house? Well, let me, you know, here you go. Here you go. Everything, the metals, the fuel, uh, the water tables, the weather patterns, everything. He's even got something to put on the barbecue. (laughs) Some tri-tip or tofu, whichever. All right. Thank you. That's enough. He's got, you know what? And listen, he... The wider picture, he's saying, look what he does. He rains down from heaven. He's taking care of you. And who says, God himself in a human body says this, I came down from heaven. He rains down the son of God to go to the cross, to take care of not your physical hunger, your spiritual need. Amen? Amen. So for all of this, for unfailing love, for new life, for purpose, for meaning, he's saying for God who's, who's got your needs, he knows about them. And then he closes out with uh, this thought here. Very interesting. Did we go back, right? Okay, good. He revealed, no, back. Thank you. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of man, but he delights in those who fear him. What does that mean? I'll tell you right now. Here's a paraphrase. Catches the spirit of it. It's not the high and mighty of the earth and all the wonders of the world that impress God. Not the great military. The war horse is the military. The legs of man marching, wow, this military prowess. It's not the big things that the paparazzi are all excited about. What grabs God's attention, what excites the Lord of heaven and earth is you and me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, lowly, insignificant, ordinary nobodies who love and revere God matter more to God than the big wow of this world. So he's saying he'd rather hang out with us than uh, be at the UN, you know, or the Royal Palaces or the Cannes Film Festival. You know, this is what he's saying. He comes to our meetings. He attends our services. He listens to our worship set. He delights and finds joy in our expression of praise to him. So sing and be thankful and pray and praise him because it means a lot to him coming from you. Okay, now, 
we can finish up. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God. He strengthens the bar of your gaze. He blesses you from within. He grants peace to your borders, satisfies you with good things. He sends his command on the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow. He's just this wonderful creator in charge of <clears throat> the seasons. And then he says he's revealed his word to his people there at the end there. And he says he's done this for no other people, no other nation, because they didn't know him or his laws. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's finish up. Now, the psalmist is saying, just saying that not everyone gets the special treatment of grace or favor that you in this room have somehow secured. And from the knowledge of how special and, and, and how unique that God's favor should fall on somebody like you, that is a prompt to praise, that you understand, wow, how did this happen to me? How did this happen to me? In light of that most of the earth doesn't have God's special favor. It has his blessing. It ha they are the object of his great love. But there are conditions for his special favor. And you, somehow, out of six or seven billion of us, have found it. So praise you, the Lord. Okay, let me show you the qualifications for God's blessing that the world balks. The world hates this. Little Lawson's place says, God bless everyone on your line. No, 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 you can't make the rules. God will say who he blesses, and this is who he blesses. Here it is. And suddenly, did I, did I send this one over? The Christmas blessings. I'll read it to you. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, keep reading, on whom his favor rests. Peace to men, qualifier for those on whom his special favor rests. Get this, another Christmas qualifier. She will give birth to a son, given the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. If you're not his people, you're not going to be saved. And, and you're not going to have peace with God if his favor doesn't rest on you, because that's the qualifier from heaven. You would just, you know, God bless everyone. God loves everybody. God wants to bless everyone, but he's made a condition. He said, I, I, you know, it's Christ. It's the gospel. It's the cross of Calvary. It's the gospel. You have to receive that. To all who received him, who believed on his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Now, in light of this blessing where he says, Jesus, Narrow is the way that leads to life. He's as small as the gate. And few there be who find it. Broad and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many, many go that way. Somehow, the psalmist is saying, somehow, you got squeezed through an eye of a needle. And it wasn't 
on your effort. It was the favor of God. Now, who's ever going to figure out why God lavished his favor on us? There's no rhyme or reason to it. But he did. It says before the foundation of the world that God predestined us in love. Wow. So praise ye the Lord. Now, you could be sitting here and saying, well, what about me? You know, all you Christians are happy you got predestined. Hallelujah for you. Well, all you have to do is believe, and you'll be one of us, and you'll be predestined. What? That's easy. Amen? It's not that complicated. And so somehow we manage. I just think, come on. God was after me. I, my 19th year, I knew he was after me. And I wanted nothing to do with him. And I jumped every hurdle he put in my path. And I ignored every siren. Oh, man. I shudder to think where I would be without the grace of God. How did this happen to me? I didn't want anything to do with him. I was vile. I was immoral. I, I, I was hard-hearted. And somehow, he said, you, you're coming with me. And I was like, okay, you know, let's do this, right? Just your story as well. It ought to get a hold of your heart that most of the world is perishing right now and you're not. That most of the world, how about your friends have fallen away? You know people have fallen away. Why haven't you? You know people who have been caught up in all kinds of terrible scandals. Why not you? How about people trading in the gospel? They're trading in the gospel for something, you know, gospel light and all of this nonsense with no hell and making up things as they go. They're more forgiving than Jesus, wiser than the Apostle Paul. That's scary. Why not you? How come you are still hanging in there? I'll tell you why, because... God put his unmerited favor on you. And that ought to wake you up to every morning. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Amen? Uh, thank you, all four of you. So he says, it's a wow. It's a wow. So he goes on here to just say some of the favored blessings are strengthened bars of your gates. He's saying, listen, the protection of God. Peaceful borders, strong walls, and a locked gate just means safety and security for the people of God. Listen, bad things can happen to us, but he's saying, don't worry. Even if you die, not a hair on your head will perish. He's got us, and nothing in all creation can separate us from his love. And so when he's talking about the blessings of Jerusalem, his favorite place in the whole world, because he would shed his blood in that place, and he's coming back to reign in that place, he said that blood applied to you by faith is now his other favorite place to be and his unmerited feather, feathers. <laughs> his unmerited favor <laughs> rests Upon you. Now, the, the next awesome thing is God's awesome power works on your behalf. So this is hard to understand. Here's what he's saying in poetic form. And I got this from a commentary. The God, this God, commands winter, the snow, the frost, the hail, the ice. And he's in charge of springtime too. 
So in other words, he's working through our times of difficulty and calamity when things are frozen and at a standstill. And he's the one who brings the thaw, the restoration of springtime. That's really the understanding there that, you know, do you have a frozen place? Do you ha- are you going through a kind of a blizzard? He, he's the one who's going to see you through that. And he also, at, at his command, will bring a, a time of thaw when you will see those uh, flowers come up. That frozen ground will give way to those beautiful flowers and uh, you will be singing again. And so... And finally, and I really like verses 19 and 20, uh, he's revealed his word to his people. Jacob is another word for Israel. He's got a name change there. And Israel means governed by God. So if you're governed by God and you believe like Abraham believed, you are children of Abraham. You are governed by God. And in a wider sense, some of these promises uh, involve us as well. And so he says, listen, he confides in you. He's revealed his word to his people. All right? Now, listen to this. You, his people. Jesus said this. He said, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. But I've told you everything. I've confided in you. The plans of God, I've whispered into your ear, into your heart. So listen, Christian. God Almighty has told you what happens when you die. Why you're here. What heaven looks like. What, he- what the attributes of God are like. What it means to perish. He's given you the, 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 the answer to the mystery of the universe. He's confided in you. He said, listen to this. He says, to you, talking to his disciples, to you has been, have been given the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God and not to them. This was in a question. The disciples said, why are you always speaking in parables? Well, parables are simple. They're not trying to shut people out. He's, uh, he, they're simple. He's saying, you know, the kingdom of God, think of it like a mustard seed. It starts really small in somebody's heart, but when you plant it, it becomes like this ginormous plant. Is that like rocket science? That's, not, that's like making it easy, right? So he's not trying to shut them out. So he says, why do you use a lot of stories like that? And he's saying, because you guys get it, and they don't, because they don't want to get it. So they're shut out. So he's saying to you, because of God's favor, he's revealed his plan. And it's not just revealing the plan or the knowledge. With the revelation, he gives wisdom and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. And he lavishes love upon us. It's a beautiful thing. He says, angels long to look into these things. And you know them because God loves you and, and he, you have his favor. So, because God has come to your rescue and helps you and shows you compassion, provides for your every need with unfailing love, and graces you with this crazy, unmerited, special favor that most of the world doesn't know, but somehow you do. Because of all of that, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all these reasons.
You've been so good to us, Lord. Even when we're, we don't know it, and even when we don't deserve it, you're just faithful, Lord. Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful because you cannot deny who you are. That's just how you are, Lord. You, there's no shifting shadow with you. You change not. You just love us in that beautiful, unconditional way. So tonight, Father, just may we go about the evening just softly and inwardly adoring you, praising you, and thanking you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.